This is a Woodside Church podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. It's great to be here again. And uh, I'm going to, as Martin says, just teach a little bit about eldership, then lead the time together. Uh, yes, I do do that a lot, um, but I don't think I've ever done so in Woodside before, because <laughs> we usually bring somebody else from outside for that. Um, so what I'm going to do is teach for a while on what elders were in New Testament times, and what the Bible says about it, and then how it works in today's context here and around the world. And as you know, if you're familiar with my preaching, some of you are, I always start with a story from the Bible, which gives the setting for the first time that we read about any elders being appointed, although there were elders before then, this is the first time that we read about how they were appointed. And so, uh, two apostles called Paul and Barnabas had been sent out from their base church in Antioch. Antioch uh, is called Antakya today and is in eastern Turkey, still a thriving city. And they'd been sent out to preach the gospel in other places and start churches there because, of course, there weren't any. Well, they went first to Cyprus, which... They did because that was Barnabas's home country. And sometimes it's easier to start where you're familiar and then move into other places. So first they went to Cyprus. Then after preaching the gospel there and seeing a lot of things happen, they went by boat from Cyprus. I don't know how many of you have a picture of the Mediterranean in your minds and you can envisage all these places. Uh, do any of you? But... If you go from the north of Cyprus, uh, you come to a place called Perga, uh, which is a ruin now uh, near Antalya. And then uh, from there, they went right into the middle of the country to a place in those days, which was called Galatia. And they preached in a number of places. Uh, you can read about it in the book of Acts. One was, uh, it was a bit confusing, really, because another of them was also called Antioch. They said they went from Antioch to Antioch. Uh, but it was a different Antioch in the centre of uh, Galatia and Iconium, Lystra and Derby. But that's a different Derby from the one you'd be more familiar with. It was an exciting tour. In Pisidian Antioch, Paul preached firstly in the Jewish synagogue. Then the next week, it says, the whole city turned out to hear him. Obviously, news had got around. This new preacher was in town and was sharing something amazingly new. But after a while, some of the Jewish leaders in the city opposed them and stirred, they were influential and they stirred up the authorities. And Paul and Barnabas were kicked out of the city. They had to be expelled. And it's interesting how the Bible puts it. It says that when they were expelled, it says, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. 
Now, it doesn't mean they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit because their leaders were kicked out. Rather, they were so on fire for God that even though their leaders had gone away, they were okay. Then they went on to Iconium where they saw many miracles and the city divided again and they had to flee. And then they went to Lystra, which is a more rural area. Um, Scylla and I have been to Iconium and Lystra. Iconium is called Konya now. Lystra is a hump in the ground. It's basically a rural area. And uh, we've stood in Lystra, but there's no, nothing there now. But uh, when he went to Lystra, a lame man was healed. And the superstitious people of Lystra thought that the Greek gods had come down in human form. And they started to worship Paul and Barnabas, who had to stop them. No, 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 please don't do that. Then the Jews came from Pisidian Antioch, stirred up the city against them, with the result that Paul was stoned. They thought Paul was dead, but the believers gathered round him and he got up and then went on to preach in Derby. Okay, so it's a pretty eventful trip. I'm glad some of mine are not quite as eventful as this, although I'd love to see many more of the miracles happen. However... These churches need, needed establishing. They needed long-term help. And so Paul and Barnabas said to each other, let's go back to these churches. And, do th- and they said what they were going to do. And so what did they do? How were they to establish these, the faith firmly in these new believers? They actually did three things. Firstly, they confirmed the outline of teaching, what we call apostolic doctrine, that they had been teaching the people. You see, Paul, when he taught, always had a big story of God's plan to transform the world through Jesus Christ. And now that's worked out in all those who follow Jesus Christ. And so we would tell this great story, all the truths about uh, Jesus and his plans in the earth. And so they confirmed that. Then it said they taught them that through many hardships we enter the kingdom of God. Now, So that's not such good news, is it? But actually if believers don't understand that, then when things go wrong, you say, well, I became a Christian. I thought everything would be fine now. Whereas actually, there's lots of opposition. There's tough times. And we need to understand that. And so they needed to understand through many difficulties and through many persecutions for many. I go to places where people are persecuted for their faith. Hasn't happened yet in this country, although... We can be mocked at, but not usually persecuted. But through tough times, you enter the kingdom. And it says, they appointed elders for them in each place. Okay, so those three things were necessary to establish the church on good foundations. Let me read it to you so that you know it's there in the Bible, not just me telling you. It says, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, 
reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So that was what was needed. Clear teaching about the faith, understanding that the Christian life can be tough, and a team of leaders to care for them. Not just one pastor, one minister. That never happened in the whole of the New Testament. It was always in the New Testament a team of people. And Paul and Barnabas also committed those elders to the Lord. In the end, it's the Lord who will guide them, protect them, and to whom they're accountable for the church and their service in it. See, it's not easy being a church leader, not because of the hard work we have to do or anything like that, because you all have to work hard. But because the Bible says we're accountable to God for how we care for you and for your lives in that sense. We've got to answer to God one day. And so even though this is a joyous occasion, it's also a sobering one. So what was local church leadership in New Testament times then? Well, three words are used to describe the leaders of local churches. I'm going to explain those three words because that helps us understand. The first word is the word elder, Greek presbyteros. And this word was from a Jewish background. The elders of the Jewish town, each Jewish town had elders who the Bible says sat in the gate. You might say, well, is that all they did? But actually, that was for protection. The gate would have been where Discussion would have taken place, and also where they could make sure that people didn't come in who shouldn't come in, and so on. And so, uh, it was a, so it would be a familiar word to those in the churches from a Jewish background. The word elder describes their maturity, though not necessarily their great age. Okay. So, for example, Timothy was leading in a church and he was and Paul says to him don't let anyone look down on you because you're young now how he was to stop them looking down on him was by being example so he said but be an example of godly living and so elders don't have to be old because dare I say this yeah see not here but Elsewhere sometimes, you can be old and not mature, <laughs> okay, in your attitudes. And so, and you can be fairly young, not very young, but fairly young and mature. And so, that, but the word elder describes their maturity, but also describes the respect they would have in the church community. 
You see, uh, Eastern culture, it's not a question of what you achieve, but whether you're respected. And that's important. And so they are like respected fathers in the community, in the family. They don't do all the ministry. Some may not do much publicly at all. But they are those to whom the church look for security and therefore the church is released to do the work of ministry. We're not appointing people to ministry. Sometimes people talk that way. No, we're saying these are like fathers in the church that enable the church to serve according to all the gifts God has given you, like I was talking about last week. So, for example, like as a father at home, my children are all left home now, but I would want my wife and my children to be everything God's made them to be. Yeah? Don't want to sort of sit on the top, but rather encourage them to be all that God's meant them to be. And that's how it is in the church. So in Woodside, for example, the elders only meet once a term because the day-to-day leadership of the church is led by men and women in the senior leadership team. They get on with the thing, with, with the ministry, and all of you involved in serving the church. Okay? That's who does the ministry. Elders provide security in the family and release ministry. Then the second word that is used in the Bible is overseer, which is a difficult word really, but the Greek word there is episkopos, which is the word from which we get our word bishop. But the word bishop or episkopos, translated overseer, is only used in the New Testament to describe those in the team of leaders in the local church. It's not used in any other sense. So you could say we're making these guys bishops today. Okay. (laughs) So, because that's how the word is used in the New Testament. And that would have been a recognised common secular term for those of Greek origin. Because the church would have been made of those from Jewish background and those from Greek background. And they, again, it was to do with taking care. It would have been a word used for those that took care of the city, its protection. Even the guardian, it's sometimes translated guardian of the pagan temple that would have been in these places and uh, so that would have helped those who came from a non-Jewish background a Greek background and the word overseer suggests the ability given by God to do it so it says in Acts 20 verse 28 we'll read later the Holy Spirit made them overseers you see In what we're doing today, we are not making Richard and Hudson into overseers. We are recognising that the Holy Spirit has done that and we're aligning ourselves with it. Okay. So, 
The, it means they've got the required gifts to protect from false teaching and make good decisions. And, and they've got to understand this in the context. See, we've, we've been so free of this in the West for a long time that we perhaps lose it. They were those that, when there was persecution, they would often be those that would effectively would have to lay down their lives for the flock. And that's happening today. As, I thought, as you know, Scylla and I go to Ukraine quite a bit. We'll be going there again in May. And last time we were there, I met with the elders of the churches that we serve in the war zone in East Ukraine. And they were wondering what to do. And they were saying, because they've got these two, it's an area not recognised by Ukraine and not either recognised by Russia. It's, it's, you've got um, separatist leaders in these two areas who take the control there. And these elders were saying to me, they're asking us to register our churches so that we're illegal, but we know, because this happened under communism as well, that if we register, they'll then have the names of the leaders of the church who are likely to go to prison. So do we register or not? Okay, now, at the moment, we don't have to make that sort of decision in this country. But you see, it's, and the flock would then be protected. Do you understand? They were also shepherds, or actually, it says, it's used in its verb form, do shepherding. Often translated in our Bibles, be shepherds, but actually it was not a title. Pastor is not a title. It was actually used in the scriptures, this is what they do. And shepherd denotes both their function and the manner of their function. In the Old Testament, a shepherd was a general word for leader. And again, it doesn't mean they're the only ones that care for you. All are called to care. And many have pastoral caring gifts. But we make sure that caring takes place. And these were three words are quite evidently used to describe the same people. All three being used together in Acts chapter 20. So it says this. From Miletus, which is on the coast, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So who, who are coming? The elders. Keep watch over yourselves, he says, when they arrived, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So it's the same people. Or be shepherds, or care for, the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Okay. It's his church, as we said earlier. So the function of these elders or overseers or shepherds is, firstly, and it's translated in our scriptures as lead or manage. The problem is with those words is that they give the idea of sort of a corporation or a, a company. Whereas the church is a family. Now, today, to exist in the 21st century, we have to have lots of organisation. And so we do have to do all those things. 
But the idea of that word really, again, is this word protection. And the Bible says this in 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And so the, where it says they're double honour, what does that mean? Well, it means they are respected. Uh, but then, as I taught last week, if any of you remember, it says we also give honour in the church to those who don't have any dignity in the world. So it's, it's not a special. But what it's teaching there, it says double, doesn't mean, oh, they're much higher. No, no. It means actually some of them whose role is preaching and teaching need to be uh, paid as well as respected. That's all it means. The double refers to that. Now, actually, today, we play, pay many men and women to handle the complexities of church life, to run buildings, to run all the organisational things we do and so on. Uh, but that's what that scripture is teaching. So, that's firstly. The, secondly, to teach, because it says one of their qualifications, they're able to teach. In the book of Titus, unlike Timothy, it doesn't say that, it says correct wrong doctrine. So it doesn't mean all the public teachers, they won't all be, necessarily. Uh, and... There are other gifted men and women who teach. Because it's not just the elders. We want to release all who are gifted to teach. To be able to do so. But the elders are responsible that wrong teaching doesn't come in. Then thirdly, to shepherd. That we've spoken about involves care. It's relationship. It's a family relationship. It's fathers in the church. And when it says he bought with his own blood, notice that, that Paul is stressing to them it's in the context of suffering again. Because the reason for shepherds in the ancient world was mainly for protection of the sheep from wild animals and robbers. You couldn't just leave them on the mountains. And in fact, the shepherds often, if there was a sheepfold, the shepherds would lie, at night lie down in the entrance to the sheepfold, which is, of course, what Jesus was. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. He said it the same, <laughs> in the same context. Because he is the one who laid down his life for the sheep. And those of us who serve in the church in that way have that attitude as well, that we're here to care and protect. And then to pray for the sick. James 5 verse 14 says, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, you might say, well, don't other, can't we all pray for the sick? Yes. Okay. And as I taught last week, some will have special gifts of being able to heal the sick in prayer. But there are sometimes situations where it's, uh, a long-term sickness or something like that. And so 
person calls the, those who are protecting to anoint them with oil and pray for them. Okay. So, we all have gifts. We all do the ministry. We all do according to our calling. And the purpose of leadership is to help release and protect people as they do that. Also, the application of the New Testament was contextualised to each situation. So in Ephesus, for example, which was a large and mature church, Paul said, don't appoint a recent convert. Okay. By contrast, in Crete, where Paul writes to Titus, who are also to appoint elders, he doesn't say don't appoint a recent convert. Why? Very simply, everybody in Crete was a recent convert, <laughs> as they would have been in, the, in what we described in Acts 14, in the scripture I read to you. And so when we're preaching the gospel in new areas, it's not, how, it's not whether um, they've been a convert for a long time, but whether they've left behind their old life demonstrably and are demonstrating good character and care for the people. So when I was in Istanbul, I appointed someone for, uh, as an elder who'd been saved just under two years. Okay, and he's a great preacher. But when I appointed him, in fact, first time I went to that church after he got saved, he was actually leading the meeting. I'd never seen him before, so I said to the guy who was leading the church at that time, uh, I didn't know this, how long has he been saved? I said, oh, two or three months. <laughs> and so it depends on the context, because we're not ordaining these people, Hudson and Richard. We're not giving them a certificate of ordination. Sorry, guys. Because they are appointed to care for this flock. They don't carry it with them to other places. Yeah? It's not. So, you are a shepherd of a particular flock. And then there's certain character qualifications. Firstly, it says the elders are to be above reproach. That doesn't mean perfect. If it did, you wouldn't have any elders. Okay? It, doesn't mean, it means that nobody could bring an accusation against them. And the various other qualifications are examples of that. He says, husband of one wife doesn't get drunk, hospitable, and a few other things. And discipline of leaders is proportional to their authority, both within the church and as we're accountable to God, as I said earlier. So it says, don't receive an elder, don't receive an accusation against an elder except two or three witnesses. But if anyone do sin, does sin, you rebuke them publicly. Now, for the rest of you, that doesn't happen. Yeah, because we just, if, if there's a big problem in your life, we talk about it privately. But for elders, it says you rebuke them publicly if they sin. Again, another church in Istanbul that I was preaching, and I mentioned that scripture, and 
those Turkish brothers coming into eldership said to me, oh, uh, do we still want to be elders? <laughs> and some of the people said afterwards to them, when we heard you were being an elder, we thought it was a great honour. Now we understand it's scary. <laughs> and they got the point. So how elders recognise it needs the calling, the anointing and appointing of God, we recognise what God has done. The recognition of that call by existing elders and apostolic ministry expressed through the laying on of hands, which is what we're going to do in a moment, and it's received by the people, which is why we announced some weeks ago what we were going to do in case any of you had anything you wanted to raise or any problem in their character that you knew about. Because it says Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. So that's just an explanation from the Bible of what we're doing. Let's say. And we're, what we're doing is pe- appointing people who can protect the flock so that the whole flock and whole people can serve God with the gifts that He has given them. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.